0: The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Glad you're with us today. Glad you're ready to hear some uh, Bible study. And what we study is what you ask us to study on this program. If you're a first time viewer let me explain. We have some numbers at the Excuse me, bottom of the screen, a phone number and a website. You can get on either one of those and uh, you tell us what you'd like us to talk about. That's how simple it is here. We get very specific questions about uh, a verse or a doctrine or a teaching in the Bible. And we get a lot of things that are just about people's lives and what's going on there. Maybe in the newspaper you say, I wonder what God thinks about that. Well, we'll try to find a biblical principle for you. Answer any of your questions that uh, have a Bible answer. And if we can't find one, we'll tell you we can't find one. So, that's the way we operate. Uh, Use those numbers anytime to get in touch with us and you direct the program. My partner Toby Levering is back to help me answer questions. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're here and ready to go. And uh, we always start with one for the viewers see if they know a little bit of bible uh, who's Joshua's father uh, kind of a famous riddle here actually so we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program Joshua's father and Toby, I think you got the first question today, so let's get her rolling. Yeah,
1: I'm sure our, some of our viewers, it might surprise you, might watch other religious TV programs. It's possible. And sometimes <laughs> on those other religious TV programs, they will encourage you to to say something. This is what our viewers asking about. They say, what do you say to God in order to be saved? And some of those programs might say, you know, if you believe in Jesus, just say this old prayer with me or repeat after me. Uh, and that may be where the viewer is asking about. Uh, really, that that sort of thing is usually called the sinner's prayer. But uh, the sinner's prayer is not found anywhere in the Bible. It wasn't something that Jesus or ever commanded, or that any of a, his apostles or followers ever practiced. So there's nothing in the Bible that says uh, gives us a an exact mantra of what to say. Uh, in fact, uh, Jesus. Said there was more to it than just what you say. It's what you do uh, that shows that you love Him. If you love me, you obey my commands. Now, profession of faith is a part of the process. I think it's when, you know, as a Christian starts, they're to profess with their mouth uh, what they believe in their heart. And that's just a part of it. And I don't think it stops on day one. I think it's something that Christians always should uh, be willing to give an answer for the reason of the hope that we have. Uh, to do this with gentleness and respect. And so I I think professing faith is just something we do in the language that's natural to us, and that's fine. Uh, There is a verse that talks about professing faith and the importance of it, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Here Paul writes, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So it's certainly a part of the process. Uh, Profession of faith is not the only part of the process. Uh, Professing faith is just as important as believing in Jesus and repenting of sin and being baptized into his name for the forgiveness of sins so uh, it's part of the process but the bible doesn't spell out an exact thing you have to say just profess your faith
0: all righty very good a question about communion here Viewer says should you take communion if the person serving it is not living a christian life all right, let's think about this one a little bit. Uh, first of all, some of our viewers, I'm sure, go to churches that uh, one person serves the communion, the priest does that or something. Uh, but a lot of folks that uh, attend church go where someone, where the deacons pass the communion emblems or men of the congregation do that. Uh, so this viewer says, if you're in that situation and there's somebody up there that's not living a Christian life, uh, should you take communion? Well, let me say a couple of things and precede this. Uh, First of all, the church shouldn't condone overt sin. Uh, There ought to be some decisions made about that. And what I mean is if you've got a fellow that was just arrested for embezzling a million dollars from the bank he works at, probably wouldn't put him up in a public position the next Sunday. Uh, you'd, you would probably use a little discretion there uh, and deal with it a little bit differently. And I realize that's yeah. absurd example, but that's what I'm talking about. Don't, don't condone overt, well-known sin. Of course, you deal with that another way, but public appearance would be something important. Having said that, there's nobody perfect. So anybody you pick to go up there uh, has got some problems in their life. They're not living a perfect Christian life. So drawing that line is, I don't think I'm qualified all the time to do that. So uh, this viewer evidently thinks they're qualified to do that. So let me answer the question now. Should you take communion if somebody up there is not living a Christian life according to wherever you draw the line? And I'm going to try to be as kind as I can here. Uh, but what I would say to you is, if you're worrying about who is serving the communion emblems, you need to refocus. That's not what communion is about. Uh, obviously, if it's an overt center that's a public scandal, yeah, they probably shouldn't be up there. But other than that, you need to refocus. Communion is when Christians discern the body of the Lord, is what Paul tells us. He says, when you take communion, you discern the body of the Lord. Well, you don't investigate everybody passing a tray. Uh, you don't try to decide how they're living their life. In fact, the focus needs to be in your pew. Paul goes on and explains that very clearly in 1 Corinthians eleven 28. Let's look at that. He says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread And drinks of the cup. Communions between you and your Lord, you ought to examine yourself. So my suggestion would be quit examining the fellows passing the tray and uh, focus on where the focus ought to be. So hopefully that answers your question and uh, hope that settles that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sure it does. (laughs) And the viewer wants to know, if God knows everything... Why didn't he know Adam and Eve would eat of the fruit? Well, God is omniscient and all-knowing. That's what that word means. And so, of course, he knew that Adam and Eve would... Uh, choose to rebel, choose to disobey, choose to defy uh, what he had uh, prescribed for them. And remember, God had not set out a list of rules. He had created this perfect world with everything they needed. It was absolutely uh, so much more perfect than the world we live in now. And he just gave them one thing. You can, In fact, he said you can eat of any tree in the garden, but there's this one tree in the middle, and don't eat from that tree and it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and, uh, and of course when god set that limitation that's where the enemy uh, that ancient serpent began to press well, why wouldn't why would god must not love you very much if he really loved you he'd let you eat that fruit and in fact he knows you'll be like god did god really say that well he does the same thing today <clears throat> uh, but god did not prevent them from doing so that's That was the difference. He gave them the ability to choose. He gives us, you and I, the ability to choose. Don't you know when he created you, when he knit you together in your mother's womb, did he know all the mistakes you would make? He surely did. Uh, And uh, was he surprised by any of those? He was not. Uh, But he made a plan for those, a provision uh, to uh, cover the iniquity of your sin and my sin both. And thank God he did. Uh, he knew we would sin, and so He planned a Savior to redeem us from that. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18-20. through 20. Let's read together. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb of, without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. You see, before God uttered one word about creation, uh, He had chosen Christ to handle all of the sin that He knew we would choose. And He chose Christ because He loves us. And so if you're not in Christ, I hope that you'll learn more about Him. All righty, thank you, Toby.
0: We talk about a good way to study the Bible. We uh, study the Bible a little bit with you each week, and we're happy to do that. And hope you learn a little something. Uh, But there's a whole lot more in the Bible than we ever get to on this program, and that's why we have some Bible study materials that we're happy to share with you and uh, hope it helps you get a regular habit of Bible study going. Uh, we provide those free of charge and we have all the time that this program has been on we've had thousands of people take us up on it and learn a lot more about the bible so we're happy to offer that to you today uh, there's a course that has 8 lessons in it and we're happy to send you the first one and let you see what it's like and give it a try and if you like it you can keep right on going uh, if you don't we won't bother you in any way so great way to study the bible website phone number on the screen. Uh, use those to get those free materials and we're happy to send them to you. There's an eight lesson course that we start with and then some more advanced courses beyond that. So you can study quite a while with the Know Your Bible study tools and learn a lot about the Bible. When you finish each course, we've got a handsome certificate that we'll get to you and, uh, to indicate that uh, you completed a good work, and we're proud of you that you did it and happy to recognize that. So uh, give us a call, log on to the website, just say, I want that free course, and number one, will come to you, and we pay the postage both ways too, so it's uh, easy, no-cost deal for you. All it takes is a little bit of your time, and you can uh, learn a lot more about the Bible. All right, we got a question about going to church without tithing. viewer says, is it wrong to go to church without tithing? Most of the time, we don't have enough for the offering. Okay, if it was just the first part of that question, is it wrong to go to church without tithing? I'd probably say, well, yeah, you ought to be giving something. Uh, That's kind of the principle of things. And if you're going, the church needs some support to keep the doors open, and that's kind of God's plan for things and and all that. I'd say we're not commanded to, to tithe. That was an Old Testament law. Tithe means 10%. Uh, so back in the Old Testament days, they had to give 10%. Uh, we're not restricted to that. We can give as much or as more than that than we want. Uh, 10% is probably a good place to start, but we're not limited to 10%. So that's probably kind of how I'd answer the first one. But the viewer said something more important. said, most of the time we don't have enough for the offering. Well, I'm not sure I'd say that's wrong. I would say it's maybe poor planning. Uh, You're supposed to put God first. Uh, Maybe it's a lack of faith. Uh, You don't think that if you give something that uh, you'll really be blessed. Uh, it's certainly a bad idea not to give anything ever uh, because you don't have enough. Now, the principle is, and this is what we need faith in. Uh, let's read an Old Testament verse that kind of gives us the principle. It's in Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, the writer says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Well, we obviously don't all farm or have vineyards anymore, but the principle's the same. Uh, your first fruit, whatever you earn, whatever comes in, however little it is, give the first part of that. And once again, we're not limited to 10%. It doesn't have to be 10%. In fact, for this viewer, I'd say start with something. Plan to give a part of whatever you get and give that and see what happens. God's principle is if you honor him with the first fruits, you'll be blessed. So start with showing a little faith. I don't know how I'm going to get by without this, but I'm trusting God to take care of it. Give that, and I believe you'll be blessed. I believe he promises to do that. Give something and then grow in that. Uh, We're also told that about giving, to grow in the grace of giving. Uh, That's why we're not limited to 10%. But anyhow, for this viewer who says they don't have an and I realize some people have very, very little. They're on limited incomes, uh, just difficult to get by anyway. Jesus' example was a widow that gave two mites, uh, you know, less than a penny, uh, but she gave it and was blessed because of it. So give something and uh, see if God doesn't bless you. So I think that's a good principle.
1: All right. The next question is, uh, will aborted and miscarried babies go to heaven? Well, this is a difficult situation. And, of course, abortion is a, just a, a tragic thing in the eyes of God because every human life is sacred. That It's been uh, woven together. And uh, by God, and uh, life is a a precious gift. And in our culture, we ought to uh, support life, encourage life, and give every life a chance. And uh, you just never know how God is going to use any child. Unfortunately, in our culture today, uh, it's the the very, very young, uh, those that aren't even born yet, and, and the very, very old that are... Uh, automatically ruled out <laughs> by those who, by the way, happen to have been those who were given a chance. Uh, and they say, well, they're too young. You know, they're an inconvenience. Or they're too old. They're, they're past their prime. They're not useful anymore. And God just doesn't see it that way. He doesn't see things in terms of age. Uh, unfortunately, uh, human beings have defied God on this and continue to do so. It's one of the greatest uh, and tragedies that uh, I don't believe will our generation will have to answer for it. Uh, but uh, will they go to heaven and what will happen to them? I believe they will. Um, I believe that because I believe that uh, aborted and miscarried <coughs> babies are not of a time of life where they can understand sin and and that their sin separates them from God and as, as such they don't uh, uh, aren't held accountable to. Uh, that sin And I believe the Bible would consider them innocent So uh, If you uh, If you're thinking about this question I believe they are safe in the arms of God uh, And that God is going to Take care of them And if you've uh, had a miscarriage And experienced that tragedy uh, I want you to know it's not your fault And that though you'll carry that That burden with you uh, And you'll carry that grief with you Throughout your life you can trust and know that God's going to take care of them, and they're in a far better place than we are, not suffering in any way. Uh, let's read Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 and 14. For you knit me—I'm uh, sorry—for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You know, babies are precious in the eyes of God, and. Uh, and uh, the scripture tells us that many times. So I hope that helps.
0: All right. Thank you, Toby. A uh, viewer wants to know about race. What does the Bible say about races intermixing, interracial marriage, I presume yes. he's asking about here? Well, my answer is going to surprise most of you, I think. Uh, the Bible not only doesn't say anything about races intermixing, it really says nothing about race. You read the Bible and there's one race, human race. Uh, That's all it talks about. God made humans. Uh, The world would be a better place if we could figure that out and treat everybody like humans. Uh, But the Bible just talks about one race. Now it does talk about nations and tribes and all of that. Uh, That is more of a religious distinction actually in the Bible than it is a color distinction. Uh, But There are tribes and nations and kings and nationalities and all that. But the Bible just talks about one race, the human race. Now, what's it say about races intermixing? And since it doesn't talk about race, what's it talk about nations or colors or whatever you're thinking about intermixing? And there's two answers to that. First of all, the Old Testament does say some things about that. The Old Testament said God's chosen people, the Israelites, we're not supposed to marry or intermarry or intermix with pagans. It doesn't say anything about what color they are or what race they are. It about what religion they are. You stay away from them with those idol worshipers. You stay away from people that don't worship Jehovah Uh He was protecting them from idol worship and false religion. And he was also preserving a pure bloodline, I think, for Jesus. But uh, he commanded his people to not intermarry, not intermix with pagan religions and other peoples. Uh, So, the Old Testament does talk about that. The New Testament doesn't say a thing about marrying races or intermixing races or anything like that. It says we're all one in Christ. Now, it does say something about intermixing with different kind of people, but it's once again the religious aspect of things. Uh, Let me just read that verse. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. And Paul says, "...do not be yoked together." with unbelievers. Now, some people apply that to marriage. I think it's a much broader term than that. I think it probably includes marriage. But I think it's a close relationship, going into business with someone, uh, being closely yoked with somebody. Uh, Don't be yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial or Satan? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? So he says don't yoke together. Don't get closely yoked. And I guess you can't get much more closely yoked than marriage. (laughs) So a believer shouldn't be yoked with an unbeliever tied together in some special way. So that's what the Bible says about intermixing. It has nothing to do with race or color. It has to do with belief system. And we know, you look at studies, and the religious beliefs are one of the biggest determinants of whether a marriage is happy or unhappy. Uh, when The further apart you get, and this is as far apart as you can get, a believer and an unbeliever, uh, there's going to be problems. There's no fellowship there. So that's what the Bible says about it. The Bible doesn't talk about race. There's just one race, the human race. Uh, but it does talk about how people believe and whether they follow God or not. That's what we need to be worrying about. Take a moment and talk about a Church of Christ near you. Uh, this program is provided by Churches of Christ and uh, produced by the Northside Church of Christ here in Wichita, Kansas. But we got a lot of folks that help us stay on the air, and we like to mention a few of those each week. Uh, today let's talk about the East Point Church of Christ. It's on the east side of Wichita, evidently, uh, out on 127th Street. You can see it from the bypass out there if you live in that neighborhood or Pass by and are looking for a church home. Great bunch of folks out there at the East Point Church of Christ. Uh, they believe in this program to help us stay on the air, and we appreciate that. Maybe you know somebody that attends the East Point Church of Christ. You might tell them, hey, I saw you guys on TV the other day and uh, didn't know you supported Know Your Bible, but I like that program and thanks for having it on. So uh, you might do that, and whatever broadcast area you live in, uh, find a Church of Christ near you and tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. All right, Toby, got uh, another one here. Yep,
1: Genesis question. Uh, Viewer wants to know, in Genesis it says two women were created for Adam. What happened to the first one? (laughs) Well, that's a really good question because I was uh, reading through my Bible here in Genesis and I don't see anything but one. (laughs) The Scripture really only mentions one. Her name was Eve, and you can read about her in Genesis chapter 2. Now, I know there are some mythological accounts. Uh, It's all fiction. Uh, there are stories that are made up about uh, some woman named Lilith. But when you read the Bible, and that's what I want to encourage you to do, just uh, open up a Bible and read Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and you'll find uh, no mention of any other woman but Eve. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 24, uh, 20, starting verse 22, says Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So uh, as I read through it, uh, there's only one woman and that woman was Eve and uh if you read the rest of the story you'll find out even she was more than en- enough for Adam so uh i that's all the bible account mentions is is Eve and uh that's all it says okay
0: good you mentioned there's legends and myths mm-hmm. and all that uh i'm sure you know so some people take chapter 1 and find the yeah, creation yeah, account that. and yeah. then read chapter 2 and it kind of repeats it uh you got to really work to find another yeah. Woman, there. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chapter one just kind of gives the overview yeah. Yeah. and says God made man and woman, yeah. and then chapter two says, "Now this is the account of it," right. and goes into more detail and gets into the specifics of it. So right. some people, not paying attention or trying to promote false doctrine, yeah. say, "Well, this is one story and this is another one. Right. Right. Uh, this is one woman, this is another one," <laughs> and <clears throat> but you got to kind of stretch it to. To even find that, like you said. If you just yep. sit down and read the Bible and read it well, in good English, you can figure it out <laughs> pretty well. All right. Viewer wants to know where in the Bible does it say hell is in the center of the earth. Well, it doesn't say that in the Bible. Uh, in fact, it doesn't say where hell is. Now, we get that idea uh, because there's verses like Luke 10, verse 15 that says, Caper- Capernaum shall be thrust down to hell. Okay, And every time it's mentioned, basically, it's talked about as down. And conversely, heaven we think of as up uh, because Jesus ascended, and it talks about us being caught up. So we kind of have that idea that hell's down, heaven's up, And since we're on earth, we think, well, if hell's down, it's got to be in the center of the earth. Okay. The Bible doesn't say that. Uh, In fact, I don't believe it is. I believe it's in another place in the universe or will be in another place in the universe. But actually, it doesn't even have to be in this universe. Uh, God can create things any way he wants. In fact, he says he's going to destroy this universe and make new heavens and an earth. So uh, I think it may be in a completely different dimension. I don't know. It uh, doesn't hurt anything to think about it as being in the center of the earth, but I don't think it's really there. I think it's hot down there, but I don't think it's <laughs> the place that's hot. So the Bible doesn't say uh, where hell is. For that matter, it doesn't say where heaven is. They're going to be as God determines. Uh, one's going to be really, really good, and one's going to be really, really bad. So I don't, I don't care where they are. I want to go to the right one. So <laughs> Bible doesn't say that. All right, let's make sure we get our trivia question answered today. And it was about Joshua's father. And I said it was a little bit of a famous riddle. Well, you ask people who didn't have a father and you say it's Joshua because he was the son of Nun. The (laughs) fellow's name was N-U-N, but uh, if you use it as a riddle, it's a pretty good one for a certain age (laughs) limit anyway. Uh, Joshua's (laughs) daddy was named Nun. All right, we're glad you've been with us today, and uh, we hope we got to your question today. We know we probably didn't because we get so many questions, and we're always trying to catch up. uh, But we'll get to it as soon as we can. And uh, if you want a written answer when you call in a question or log on, just give us your name and address, and we'll get you on a lot quicker than we can get it on the air. We want to answer your questions. We want you to know your Bible. Glad you've been with us today, and we're going to invite you to come back next week. We're going to do some more questions. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a church of Christ near you.